If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. We were there last week, but we're going to continue in Mark chapter 1. We're looking at uh, the Gospel of Mark, and the theme is Jesus changes everything. Now, I don't know if you believe Jesus changes everything. Uh, there have been seasons when I believe that Jesus changes everything except for the problem I've got in my life. Uh, but uh, the Bible was written to show that Jesus literally changes everything and changes the, um, uh, the circumstances eh, sometimes, but certainly changes how we walk through the circumstances. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about uh, how Jesus can actually stop the storm. And that's really the point. The, the point is that a hurricane blowing off the coast, Jesus can literally stop the storm. But the application is not that we get to control when or if Jesus stops the storm. The, the application for us is to find our peace in his embrace whether the storm is blowing or not. So as we look at Jesus changing everything, I want you to just consider, do I really believe that Jesus changes everything? Well, I said all that, and you probably have already gotten to Mark chapter 1, but let me pretend like you're still turning there. Uh, in Mark chapter, uh, before, uh, before I talk about Mark chapter 1, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, we're a church that likes to pray together. We believe it's important to pray, and we pray at 1 o'clock for one minute for one thing. From today all the way for the next six weeks, I want you to begin praying with me at 1 o'clock for one minute for one thing, and that one thing is Easter. Uh, Easter is the Super Bowl of church life, and every year it comes around, and it is the Super Bowl of church life, it, It's uh, uh, and, and that would make me uh, not Tony Romo, not Dak Prescott, not Tom Brady. Terry Bradshaw. Anyway, no, just kidding. <laughs> Roger Staubach. Yes. Um, no, it's the Super Bowl of church life, and the reason it's the Super Bowl is history. Uh, Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And on Friday, we celebrate Good Friday, which is Jesus dying on a cross, and then sat here, uh, we need the room, so here on Saturday and Sunday, uh, we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, because that changed everything. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but, but the death of Jesus change, changes everything, and the resurrection of Jesus changes everything for you and for me. Uh, so, uh, when we uh, go toward Easter, we need to uh, do all that we can historically as a church to set aside all distractions, just focus in on Jesus the King. All right, so that's historically. Uh, but also in church life, it's a Super Bowl because it's the opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus to get together, and it's uh, one of the biggest attended crowds, gatherings, uh, and we get to get together with other followers of Jesus, that many of whom we haven't seen often, and we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the cacophony of praise that takes place uh, uh, during Easter is an encouragement to every believer. So I want to, uh, so we have that believer's encouragement, but also uh, on Easter, it's the opportunity we have to help those who are far from God find life in Jesus Christ. And so on Easter, uh, we're reaching people who are far from God. We're trying to help them find life in Christ. Easter Sunday or Easter weekend is an opportunity for them to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond. 
Um, this year, we're going to add to that. Uh, we're going to make Easter a baptism day. I mean a big baptism day. Like our beach baptism day uh, in the summer, we're going to make Easter our baptism day. So prayerfully and hopefully, uh, we would uh, have the opportunity to baptize dozens, if not uh, scores and scores of people on that day. So much so that even at Easter services, we're going to give people who are there an opportunity uh, to be baptized, uh, whether they're prepared for it or not. Uh, and we'll walk through that with them and talk through that with them, make sure that they are followers of Jesus and that they're ready for believer's baptism. And if they are, we'll baptize them that day. So it's going to be a unique challenge for us. And, and, and we want to be a church in prayer about that. So here's what I want you to pray for one minute. I talked about six minutes about it, but, but I want you to pray for one minute. Here's what I want you to pray. First, Pray that uh, those who are far from God would find life in Christ uh, from now until Easter and during Easter. That, that the people, my neighbors, my friends, those people in my sphere of influence who don't know Jesus, that I would do all that I can to reach them. And that we as a church would do all that we can to reach people who are far from God. That they would find life in Christ at Easter. Number two, pray that uh, those who are followers of Christ would take that next step of obedience in being baptized. And uh, I, I has, uh, baptism that is practiced at this church, okay? Now, some of y'all are raised in different faith traditions, and I, I'm not demeaning or dismissing those things at all. But Baptist is literally in our name. All right. Doesn't mean we get it all right, but it's literally in our name. Uh, so baptism that we practice here. So you might say, well, I was baptized as an infant uh, or a, as a young person. And I get that. And I understand that uh, depending on your faith tradition, that means something different than what we do here. Uh, the baptism that Baptists practice is called believers baptism. Uh, and so, uh, it, say for instance, you were raised in a Catholic tradition, you were uh, sprinkled as an, or baptized as an infant, uh, or in a Presbyterian uh, a church, congregational church, you were uh, baptized as an infant. Uh, the, 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 the Presbyterian idea of that infant baptism is we're bringing you under the umbrella or the covenant of the church. Okay, And so you're safe. And then you make a choice uh, in that tradition. You make a choice to become a follower of Jesus at confirmation. Right? Uh, in the more Catholic traditions, uh, that sprinkling or that baptism of a baby is to cover original sin. Make sure you're safe uh, and that uh, we're going to take care of original sin with this baptism. And then you make a choice to follow Jesus uh, at confirmation after you finish all your catechetical school stuff. After confirmation. And so you, you go through that. Now, uh, again, I'm saying nothing about those faith traditions. What I am saying is in the Baptist church, uh, we, we're, we practice something totally different. We call it, it's called believer's baptism. Now, believer's baptism is uh, something that we believe the Bible teaches, okay? Uh, in fact, we looked at it last week. Jesus was baptized. Why was Jesus baptized? He didn't have any original sin, and he was the new covenant. So uh, he didn't need e either one of those things for baptism. So why did he get baptized? Matthew 4.11, Jesus said, uh, uh, permit it to be so now. Let me be baptized. For thus it is fitting 
to fulfill all righteousness. Why was Jesus baptized? Because that's what God wanted him to do. It was an act of obedience. He wasn't washing away sin. He wasn't bringing himself under any kind of covenant. He was establishing uh, baptism as an act of obedience. Then in the book of Acts, we see people getting baptized. When are they baptized? They're baptized after they embrace Christ as Savior and King. Well, it's in our name, so it's not a bait and switch. This is like forever how we've done things, right? Uh, So baptism in this church for our 200 plus year history is very simple. Uh, Once you cross the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus, then you are baptized as an act of obedience to that, to declare to the church and to the watching world that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you have not been baptized in that way, I want to encourage you to be baptized in that way. And you might say, well, I don't need to. Well, I I would encourage you to consider it, and maybe you do need to. By the way, this message is not about baptism, and I took like eight minutes talking about it. So anyway, when you're you're praying for Easter, pray in this way. Lord, help for those who are far from God find life in Christ. Lord, uh, help for those who need to be baptized to be baptized. Okay, and it's gonna be a great day. It's gonna be a great journey, but we're gonna talk about this more and more each week All right, mark chapter one. Oh, and the reason we're baptized. Can I tell you the reason we're bad? We're we're baptized because we believe jesus changes everything buried in baptism Buried with christ his death on the cross as payment for our sin raised to new life with him Jesus changes everything so as we look at jesus changing everything We're going to look in Mark chapter 1 at this picture of how Jesus literally changed the trajectory of the lives of four men and me as well. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Uh, And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon... And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and here are divine words writ in holy, holy spirit unction. They were fishermen. Some of you don't know me, but if you knew me, you would know I love to fish. I mean, it's right there. I mean, you see it, right? It's not in red ink, but it could be. (laughs) For they were, what's the word? Oh, isn't that great? That's awesome. Jesus was a catch and release fisherman, by the way, and we'll get to that in a second. All right. Then Jesus said to them, verse 17, then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you to become Fishers of men. Halius anthropon. That's good. If I get a tattoo, that's what it's going to be. I kid you not. Yet, y'all will never see it. Don't worry. Dog, y'all don't panic. If I get ink, nobody will know. Except for my wife and my children. And maybe my best friends, if I had any. Okay. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus changed everything for them. Verse 19, and when he had gone a little farther, 
From there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets because they were fishermen. And immediately he called them, and they let their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Following Jesus, that was the call, follow me. Following Jesus changes everything, and we don't necessarily like that. See, we like the following Jesus that's just a patch on a computer program. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If, if, if you uh, uh, say you have apps on your iPhone or whatever and, and you get these notifications, you've got uh, 17 applications that need to be updated and, and you go to the little app store and, and you push update all and all these little apps that you have are updating. They, they're receiving a patch for their programming. Uh, they're receiving this patch for their program to either improve uh, the, the, uh, the, the operation of that program or to fix a glitch in that program um, or to update so that it looks better or do, you know, does some other stuff. So improve or update or fix a glitch, that's what that patch does. And many of us treat following Jesus like he is a patch on one portion of our life, that, that I'm going to reform certain aspects of my behavior, and Jesus is going to make me feel good about it, uh, but it's not going to really blow up my world any. And I've got to tell you, that's not really following Jesus. I'm not, I'm not talking about your eternal destiny. I'm just saying that's not following Jesus. When you and I follow Jesus, it blows up our world. It's not a patch on a program. It is wiping the hard disk drive and reprogramming it altogether. Jesus changes everything. Simon and Andrew left their nets. James and John left their father and their boat because following Jesus changed everything. Today, you and I are here, and many of us claim to be followers of Jesus. But are we really? Can, can I tell you, following Jesus is that spiritual journey, that, 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 that movement from death into life, from darkness into light. It's that, that, that wondrous transaction of God's grace that brings us into the very presence and the very family of God. And it's not the work that we do. Following Jesus is what God has done for us. And we've embraced it. Here's the way it works. We see Jesus for who he is. Behold the Christ, the Son of the living God. We see Jesus for who he is. He is fully God, yet fully man. We see Jesus for who he is. He is the Messiah who has come to rescue, deliver our, uh, his people from their sin. This is Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we begin with these wondrous eyes of, of faith that God gives us to see Jesus for who he is. Not just a historical figure, not just an hysterical figure, not just a religious figure. He is God, and he is my Savior. I see Jesus for who he is. Following Jesus, we see Jesus for who he is. We see Jesus for what he has done for you and me. Jesus came not to uh, set a moral pathway for us to follow. Jesus came not to uh, live a good kind of life that sets an example for us. Jesus came to die. 
Jesus came to die on a cross for your sin and mine. Jesus came to die, to pave the way, to build the bridge so that sinners, all of us, so that sinners might have a way toward forgiveness. Your sin, my sin, we're stuck. We can't fix it. We can't solve it. Uh, I can't solve yours. You can't solve mine. My sin has destined me to live in the dismal swamp of my own despair where there is no delight for my soul or for my life. I live in an emptiness with a big blank blob on the inside of me that I can never satisfy. There is a hunger in my heart that will never be satiated. There is a thirst in my soul that will never be quenched. This is my life. I am dead in my sin. I am dead in my trespass. I am dead because I'm separated from God by my sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved you and you and you and you and me, he sent Jesus to give me life instead of death. And how did he do it? By sending Jesus, who is fully God, to become fully man so that he might die in my place for my sin on a cross. That's what Jesus has done for me and to be raised from the dead to give me new life there is hope for me a sinner separated from God because Jesus has come to build a bridge between a sinner like me and a holy God and for you today as well here's our only hope when we see Jesus for who he is and we see Jesus for what he's done and then the third part is when we hear his call to follow don't, don't, don't mistake this. There has to be this call to follow. You hear it in your heart. You sense it in your spirit. There's something, something drawing you, pulling you, pleading with you, follow me. And you hear it and you know it and you feel it and you sense it. And there is something irresistible about it. And you say, yes, I follow Jesus today. And that's not something that has happened because you drummed up a lot of emotion or because you have a preacher that spits a lot, almost to the first or second pew. Oh, it happens because God by his spirit has opened your eyes and opened your ears and opened your heart to receive the good gift of his saving love brought to you in the person of Jesus. That's what following Jesus is about. And The question is, how can we treat it like a patch when it has so obviously changed our life? Peter and Andrew, James and John, later in Matthew chapter 5, Levi. We we see these, these men whom Jesus encounters and calls, Philip and Nathaniel. We we see these individuals the woman at the well in John 4 we see these people that that Jesus encounters and calls to follow him the the demoniac in the graveyard we see these individuals that that God heals and makes whole through the Messiah Jesus and and Jesus calls them to follow him And he looks to you and me and calls you and me to follow him. And we say yes. Oh, we say yes. Remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You who were not a people are now the people of God. 
You who had not obtained mercy, you have now obtained mercy to the full. We have been transformed. Look, Jesus changes everything. That's a good thing. And he makes my life whole, and he gives me joy, and he gives me strength, and he gives me power, and I live by his promise, and there is a presence of God in my life every day. Yeah, Jesus changes everything. But I want you to see something about how Jesus calls us to follow him. See, Jesus says, follow me. And then he adds this, and I will make you to become fishers of men. See, following Jesus is not preeminently or merely a personal, individual journey for my own self-gratification. That, that's sometimes what we do. Uh, Jesus saved me. It's all about me. I'm, I've been saved. Now, I'm not di di dismissing that at all. I just pitched a fit over how Jesus has saved me, right? I've already pitched that fit. I'm excited about it. I get excited about it every day. I can't get over it. He took a sinner, me, wicked, black-hearted, rebellious, prideful, arrogant. That's just the adjectives my wife gives me. That, that <laughs> he took me, a sinner, and he rescued me, and he gave me life, and he gave me hope, and he gave me joy. Whoa, I can't help it, but I get excited about that. But listen to the words of Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. So often we treat following Jesus like it's just about me and my own personal journey and my own prayer closet. Nothing wrong with personal journey in the prayer closet. I applaud it and I commend it and I say get, get after it. But if you think that's the purpose of following Jesus, we've missed it. As we, as we break apart this passage, and again, it's just that verse 17 really um, we, we look at this, and, and, and we need to hear Jesus describing what it means to be his disciple. If you flip over to Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus again is describing what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a disciple. He says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want you to hear that because that flies in the face of the idea that following Jesus is all about me and my self-gratification. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, here's what you've got to do. Rather than self-focus, following Jesus is self-denial. Rather than self-serving, Following Jesus is taking up your cross and being sacrificial, even to the point of suffering. Rather than being self-promoting, following Jesus is Christ exalting. That's verse 35. Whoever, uh, it, it, uh, whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels, that one will save it. No, we, we need to understand. Verse 38. Uh, whoever's ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of him 
when I come in my glory, um, in, in my Father's glory, uh, along with the holy angels. So we need to hear that, that being a follower of Jesus is not about me. And again, go back. Jesus said, here's what we're supposed to be about. Following Jesus is about becoming fishers of men and women. It's about reaching people. I, I, I don't know how else to read it. I know what fishing is. I, oh, I know what fishing is. And fishing is uh, not just filling out a spreadsheet about how to fish, and it's not just uh, getting together and having a conference about fishing. It, it's, it's, not, it's not talking about the doctrines of fishing. You know, fishing is about going to catch fish. It's about catching fish, and the fish that Jesus describes are men, men and women, boys and girls. He's calling us, you and me, individually to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after Jesus. In the steps of Jesus, we give ourselves to reach people. So here's some application. I don't, again, I did this a couple of weeks ago, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 14 through 21. And I, and, I, and I said then, I don't want you to feel guilty. Because you hear a message like this, you're going to feel that pang of guilt. Am I really following Jesus? And this passage tells us that we are not really following Jesus if we're not fishing for people. Hey, can, let me say it again. Am I really following Jesus? This passage tells us that we are not really following Jesus if we're not fishing for people. Now, uh, you might say, well, and, and again, I can't tell you how many times in my 30 years of preaching and ministry, when people have come up to me, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm, I just wish you'd do stuff different. Yes, sir, tell me about that. Or yes, ma'am, tell me about that. I, I wish you'd go deeper. We need to go deeper in the Word. Go deeper in the Word. We need to go deeper in the Word. Deeper. They do. They say it. It sounds like that. We need to be deeper. Here's the deal. We go deeper in the Word so that we can be more faithful in doing what God's called us to do. We go deeper in the Word by going deeper in obedience to the Word that we've received. Jesus said, I'm going to make you to become. The language there is, I'm going to train you. The reason we have moments like this is so that we can be equipped and trained by the Spirit of God at the school of Jesus to be fishers of men and women, not so that we can just grow, not just so that we can be smart, but so that we can be God's people on mission. Look, God didn't save you just so you can have an ecstatic experience. And I love ecstatic experiences. God saved you and me so that we might fulfill his mission. You want to grow deeper? Then go out and share gospel with somebody. I'm telling you. 
It's hard. It's challenging. But that's what Jesus is equipping us to do. Following Jesus changes everything. It redefines our everyday life. It redefines how we do things. We're no longer mending nets. We're mending souls. We're no longer traveling in boats. We're helping people find their way to God. We are different. We're no longer a banker or a sailor or a school teacher or a homemaker. No, we are missionaries of Jesus on a mission. We are fishers of men and women. We are out there trying to do what God has done right here and help others discover the joy of that. So how can we reach? First, we reach when we build relationship with those people who are far from God. I'm a fisherman. I want to be a good fisherman. I really want to be a great fisherman. But I want to be a good fisherman and a great fisherman so I can catch fish, not so that I can have my name in a book somewhere. I want to be a good fisherman or a great fisherman so I can catch fish. But the only way you get to be a good fisherman or a great fisherman is when you begin to understand the fish. The best fishermen are the ones that have almost like this relationship with the fish that they're trying to catch. They understand the fish. They don't become the fish. Please understand. They don't become fish, but they understand the fish. They understand the, the preferences and the habits and the likes and the dislikes and the, and, and the food choices. And, and they understand all of those things. If you and I are going to be fishers of men, we need to understand the people who are in our lives and understanding begins when we start asking questions and listening and really caring about people. If we're going to build a relationship, which we should be doing, we should build these bridges of relationship with people who are far from God so we might help them find life in Christ. But it begins with understanding, and understanding happens when we listen. On Friday, my uh, daughter Emily Catherine and my wife and I, we went and looked for wedding dresses. She's getting married August the 8th. Hoorah! She's getting married, and, and so we went to look for, uh, uh, for wedding dresses. Hoorah! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, so we, we, went to go, we went to go get wedding dresses, and Should all acquaintance be for God? I don't know. Uh, we went to go get wedding dresses. We went to different stores. The last store that we went to, the father of the bride is just kind of an appendage. And I don't mean that ugly. That's just my role. My role is there to uh, go hmm and ha and yeah or nah, you know, that kind of thing. Look to my wife Edie and see what she says, and then I agree with her. And, and so... Uh, do you like this dress? Sure. Do you like this dress? Sure. Which one do you like better? Which one's least expensive? That kind of thing. And so, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're sitting there, and this is the last store that we go to, and, um, and, and it was just one of those divine moments where I was able to talk to the lady who was checking, uh, who was helping, you know, uh, where car lots have car salesmen, wedding dress shops have wedding dress salespeople. And uh, so she's there, and her name's Morgan, and she's from Connecticut. Uh, her family, uh, her father and her mother are divorced. Uh, her mother has a boyfriend who's from Texas. Uh, Morgan is uh, a junior at a local university. Uh, she's a psychology major, 
And uh, she is not going to move back to Connecticut. Maybe she'll move to Texas because her mom and her mom's boyfriend are going to move to Texas where his family is from. Not just any place in Texas, El Paso, Texas. And El Paso, Texas is really Texas. Um, I mean, really, really Texas. And so, uh, and I, I, you know, all these things, all these facts, I got to know about Morgan. Now, why did I get to know all those facts? Because I'm trying to build a relationship with her with the hopes of leading her to a point where she sees her need of Jesus. I didn't even get to that question yet. She, she may already know Christ, but I haven't gotten to that place yet. You know, I say, well, you missed the opportunity. Yeah, I missed the opportunity on that day, but I've got the checkbook and we'll be headed back. She's got, she thought she was taking my information. I was really taking hers, right? But, but it's relationship. It's not one and done. It's, it's an ongoing conversation. But to build relationship, you've got to ask the question so that you get understanding. So you can't just yell at people like I did today. You can't just yell at people and, and say, get it. This is all you need. You know, you've got to know them and understand them. We believe the gospel is the power of God to save. But for them to hear the gospel, you need to build a relationship. And everybody here has the capacity to build a relationship with someone who's far from God. Whether you're working with them, or going to school with them, or they're in your neighborhood, there is somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus. you got to build a relationship with that person. And you build a relationship with that person, then you, then you be the example of what Jesus can do. Uh, when I go fishing in the mountains, uh, trout are spooky critters. If, uh, if, if you walk up to the stream in the wrong direction or if you're wearing bright colored clothes or something like that, then, uh, or if, if, uh, uh, if, if you cast your shadow on the stream in a, a wrong way, those trout spook and you'll never catch them. And I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. That's just for reals. And so uh, the trout are spooky. So you've got to be very mindful of how you approach the stream and what you're wearing at the stream and what you're doing along the stream. Uh, and you haven't even started fishing yet. You're just getting to the stream. You, you've got to be very mindful because you don't want to spook the fish. Can I tell you what spooks people who are far from God quicker than anything else? A person who says they're a follower of Jesus who doesn't live like they really believe it. When you and I say, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but we don't really be- we don't live like, like Jesus changed everything for us. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about holiness and that kind of, although that's part of it. I, I'm definitely not talking about being, perfection, being perfect. I'm just saying you got to be consistent. My daddy used to say, your lip and life must coincide. You know, what you say needs to match what you do, especially uh, with people who are far from God because they're looking for hypocrites. People always say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, come join us, right? I mean, we, it is. And, and the bank is full of hypocrites and the school is full of hypocrites and uh, your house is full of hypocrites and my house is full of hypocrites, right? The difference is Jesus has changed my life and, and it should show. We need to be the example the, the third thing we need to do is anticipate open doors every single day. You know, you have open doors of opportunity. That, that's what the conversation with Morgan was. It's an open door. I want to anticipate. You know, fishing is the exercise of anticipation. That's all fishing is. Fishing is going to a stream and anticipating 
a fish is going to bite. You have no idea if that fish is going to bite, but you anticipate that fish may bite. That's why you go to the stream in the first place. It's that anticipation. Now, when we wake up in the morning, we should anticipate an open door to have a conversation, to communicate the gospel. Anticipation is where we begin the day like this. And maybe, maybe everything would change for us if we began the day like this. Dear God, will you give me an opportunity, an open door to share your good news with someone today? Anticipate open doors daily so that we can communicate the gospel, the good news, clearly. You know, I say, I don't know how to communicate the gospel. Well, sure you do. If you've been rescued by God's grace, you know how to communicate how you've been rescued by God's grace. But if you need some help, think three Ps. First, there is a problem. You've got it. I've got it. We all got it. It's called sin. Sin has separated us from God, and there's no fix for us. We can't fix it ourselves. I can't fix your sin. You can't fix my sin as much as we try to fix each other's sin. Um, I, uh, sin is what has killed me inside. Sin is what has created the chasm in my soul. Sin is what has created the hunger that will never be satisfied and the thirst that will never be quenched. I've got a problem. It's called sin. Uh, so Jesus becomes the person to solve the problem. The first, uh, problem is our sin. The person, second P, is Jesus. God sent Jesus to die on, our die on the cross in our place for our sin, to be raised from the dead to give us new life. Jesus is God, always has been. Jesus became a man so that he might be the perfect sacrifice and become our Savior. Jesus is the person who provides forgiveness and the person who gives us new life. Jesus is the bridge between us and God. He provides peace between us and God. First P is our problem is sin. Second, the person is Jesus. And then the third is the promise. That's Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you by faith trust in Jesus and repent your sin, then you can be rescued. That's communicating the gospel clearly. I did that in less than two minutes. I encourage you to take longer. Um, but that's the gospel. That is the gospel. So we need to communicate the gospel clearly. And then the last step is we need to help with the next steps. Relationship is R. Example is E. Anticipate is A. Communicate is H. And help, uh, communicate is C, sorry. Communicate is C. And help is the H. That's reach. Help with the next steps. What are the next steps? Well, for some, it is a continuing conversation. My dad and my uh, brother, one of my brothers, and I went trout fishing in Oklahoma. And uh, it was uh, uh, tough fishing, and, but I saw one big rainbow trout, um, and it was stuck. And my brother and my dad, they were traveling around. But I kind of set my mind on this one trout. It was a big trout. And so I began to uh, uh, navigate how to catch that fish. I would throw one thing and throw another thing and throw another thing, and it would look and then turn away, and it would look and then turn away, and then it would dig down deep and uh, right by a rock, and it would kind of settle in there, and I would stop, and I'd walk away for a few minutes, and I would tie on a different fly, and I'd go back, and I would throw it back and throw it back. And I did that for about two hours. And finally, a quill body size 16 parachute dry fly 
And that trout came up and swallowed it. And you might not think that's a big deal, but that's a big deal, right? That was great. There are people that you work with, people at your school, there are people that you know in your neighborhood, and it's not a one-and-done conversation. It is an ongoing journey. There, There are people that I've been talking with for 29 years. That's helping people with the next steps. It's continuing the conversation. Sometimes helping with the next steps is, is that person comes to faith in Christ. They need to get plugged into a small group, a life group. They need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism as an act of obedience and a declaration of their faith in Christ. Uh, they need to be plugged into a church, into a life giving, soul-satisfying, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, Jesus-exalting church like this one. Help with the next steps. This week, I pray that you and I would live as fishers of men and women because we are followers of Jesus, that we would be encouraged and strengthened by the Spirit of God to build relationships with those who are far from God, to be an example of what Jesus has done for us and can do for them, that we would anticipate every day an open door of opportunity to communicate the good news of Christ's saving love, and that we would help people in the next steps in their journey. My hope and prayer is that we would be known in the halls of heaven as fishers of men and women. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, in these moments as we have heard your word proclaimed, I pray that you would change our hearts and our minds, that we would adjust our lives to fit your purpose, and that we would be your people on mission for you. Thank you so much for rescuing us and saving us from our sinfulness. And I pray, O oh God, that you would challenge each one of us here today who are your followers that we would leave this place on a mission to reach people for you, that we would be fishers of men and women, boys and girls, that you would be glorified, that lives would be changed and transformed. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.